Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. In the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And so we conclude this sermon series on St. James, much where we began, the series entitled Wisdom in an Age of Deception, because indeed we deceive ourselves, not only in this age, but in every age, our forefathers, our fathers before us and ourselves, we are naturally deceived due to the sin that is in our hearts. And what it takes for us to see that we are truly to be called to be new men is to see that we need to find our identity in Christ Jesus and what He has done and what He has accomplished for us and on our behalf. But the so-called wise of the world, they're always planning, aren't they? Always trying to decide their next step, mapping out their future, maybe anticipating the market and what's going to happen tomorrow, creating five-year plans and determining the future of whole peoples, whether or not it's being done in Washington, D.C. or here in Montgomery, Alabama. We're planners by nature as Americans. What are you going to do this weekend? We ask each other. What are you going to do this summer? What are you picking in your major for college? What are you going to do when you graduate? When are you going to retire? Constantly planning, constantly seeking to determine our own steps in the future. Instead of relying upon the gracious promises of our God, in realizing that it is not us who decide our next steps and our next ways, but it's the Lord who, as a lamp unto our feet, is guiding us. If we will only choose to walk in that way and walk in that path that he has given unto us. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, he knows our hearts. He was there when the first Adam rebelled. And in pride, Adam planned to usurp God's great plan. For God's garden to take it onto himself for Adam's own plans in order to take the knowledge of God and make it his own not in God's timing but in Adam's own timing. and the Lord Jesus knows this he speaks directly to us and to our hearts when he told the parable that's found in Luke 12 Jesus teaches the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself this rich man did What shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and all my goods. And then I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is this the one who lays up treasure for himself, but is not rich towards God. And St. James in his epistle is reminding us and is calling us to be rich towards God. Even if it's just the widow's might being dropped 
into the treasury temple. For our Lord and Savior said she gave far more than anyone else who dropped an abundance of coins. Because giving above our means is the call, regardless of how much we have. Not just monetarily, but our time, ourselves. And before you ask yourself, is this a sermon on tithing? No, it's not. Unless the Lord's convicting you of that. But the question that I want us to ask, what I want us to focus on today, is how are we rich towards God? Think about that for me, for just a moment. How are we rich towards God, who has been so rich to us, who has blessed us with the abundance of the faithfulness of Christ Jesus, taking upon our sin unto himself, of giving us and clothing us with his own righteousness that we did not earn and we did not merit? St. James is calling us to task to look at how can we be rich towards God. How can we respond to the love that's been poured out on us, to the salvation that's been gifted to us? What does that lively faith that St. James brought us towards in the beginning of his epistle? How is that lively faith manifested in our own lives? But if we're honest, the cost is too much, isn't it? The cost is way too steep. For our simple hearts. Instead, we'd rather plan for tomorrow. We'd rather think about how can we profit from our own relationships with other human beings, with our own neighbors. We ask ourselves, what do I really get from that friendship with that person? We want to not only profit financially, but also in terms of what we receive from other people, from our neighbor. But our Lord Jesus Christ calls us and beckons us to him to follow him and not to plan our steps on whether or not we're going to profit, but whether or not we are making disciples, whether or not we are loving our neighbors, whether or not we are sacrificially giving ourselves for his purpose, his way, and his glory. Our Lord, after all, he chose us not because we looked profitable to him, but because we were sick in our trespasses, dead in them, and in need of cleansing of a new heart and a new spirit. Our Lord, he chose the 12 disciples. Contrary to how any one of us would choose a team, you choose the best. You choose the ones who will excel. You choose the ones that you want to be with. But our Lord, not coming at it from a deceitful human perspective, but coming from his own humanity as a fully God, fully man, one son of God chose the lowly, chose the peasant, chose the fisherman, the reviled tax collector, the zealot, and the uneducated. That's who he chose and whom he discipled and whom he molded. And he changed the world through the ministry that is ever going. Not only through those same disciples, now apostles, but now through his body, his disciples, the church, you and I. And likewise, we are called. We are called to invest ourselves in befriending and discipling others, irrespective of who they are, of who they look like, of whether or not we deem them worthy or not worthy, because the Lord God has chosen the foolish to enlighten the world. And you and I are those fools for Christ whom he has chosen. So judge not lest ye be judged when it comes to sharing that good news that gospel that Christ has gifted to us. For it's news to be shared, not news to be held inside. 
to be selectively given to the people that we like. And therefore, James is commanding us to, quote, submit to God and not how the world would choose which people are worth our time. We're to resist these tempting thoughts that we have of profiting from our own plans, of only dealing with people who profit our own lives. And instead, we are called by St. James to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. To resist our sins, and they will flee. To resist the temptation, and it will be defeated. The power of that life-giving spirit that dwells within you and within me by the grace and in our faith in Jesus Christ. Because our call, church, our call is to be sober-minded. To be sober-minded in an age in which Amazon and excess dominates. And to yield ourselves solely and completely and wholly in submission to our Lord and our God, whom we confess with our lips, but do we live with our lives in that true submission, in that total surrender that our Lord is calling us to? Our call is to follow the one who has a plan for you, to follow the one who has called you out from this old world because he is making all things new. Christian, do not measure your life by money. Do not measure your life by what you get out of another person. Do not measure your life by your leisure. Instead, plan your life according to the solid wisdom of God Almighty, bounded together in the Holy Scriptures that He's given to us as a gift. Let our plans be the plans of the Lord. Let us not worry about tomorrow, what we wear, where we live, where we work, but instead rest ourselves upon the plans of the Lord. So if we do plan, let us plan for the Lord's return. James tells us in verse 7 of chapter 5, this wasn't in the reading, but therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Hear that again. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit? And while waiting patiently for it until he receives the early and the latter rain, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord has drawn near. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord has drawn near. Establish our hearts upon what? Upon the Word of God, which reveals the very nature and the character of the God whom we claim to love and we claim to want to be drawn near to. Live the life of the commands of the Lord. We have walked through First John, who has told us that if we truly love the Lord Jesus, then we are called to walk now in his commandments. There will be failure, but we serve a great and merciful God who is quick to forgive, who has mercy that endures for the thousandth generation. But nevertheless, we're called not to leisure and idleness, but to love through a lively faith of going forth, of bearing fruit. And our King draws nigh because Advent is near. If you don't believe me, then go ahead and go to the local Home Depot. Go and look at Walmart. Now, they'll think that Christmas is near because the Christmas trees are up. But we know we celebrate a season before that glorious season of when Christ is born. We celebrate Advent, which is that anticipation of Christ coming at Christmas and also Christ returning again. Advent is near, church. Can you feel it in the air? Can you taste it? 
The king draws near. The word made flesh is approaching. Are you patiently establishing your heart? Preparing your heart, preparing your soul, preparing your mind for his coming? It's good news. Or are you planning where you're going to eat after service? Deciding what you need to do to knock out today before the weekend is over. Worrying about the coming week and all the chores, the task, and the work that comes ahead. Church, hear the voice of the master. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body and what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Oh, of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do such a small thing as this, then why are you so anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toll nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon, yes, wise Solomon, in all his glory, in all his riches, were never arrayed like one of these. Like one of these. Not like all the lilies. You ever notice that Christ talks about like one of these? One of these lilies was never so arrayed in glorious splendor as Solomon in all his riches and all his wisdom was. And then the Lord continues. Jesus tells us, but if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and then tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. Enlarge your faith, church. Establish your hearts upon the faith, upon the trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and do, done for me. Deepen that trust that you have in him. Establish yourselves upon that rock, that foundation that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Heaven is near. Church, we're not called to profit in anything or in anyone else save the Lord Jesus Christ, who has enriched us with the mercy that cleanses our hearts, purifies our souls, and turns us from dead men walking into fragrant living offerings of new life that glorify God's plan for his creation and brings good news to all whom we meet. Church of God, listen to your Savior. When he says to us, do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things that you worry about, that you're anxious about, that you're planning for tomorrow will be added unto you. I'm not saying prosperity. I'm not saying easy street. I'm not saying all that your sinful heart desires and wants. But where you will eat, where you will get clothing, what you're called to do tomorrow, that will be answered the way the Lord wishes to answer it. If you seek first the kingdom of God. Are you seeking? Are you seeking the kingdom that has broken through this world through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ, through the power of that rock being rolled aside and Christ Jesus walking out as the new Adam, the new man, and he's calling us to that new life? 
right here and right now. It's not yet complete, but he's calling us, beckoning us to join him in that new life that he pours out abundantly so that our cup overflows with the power of the Holy Spirit. For church, right now, although we await, or we should be fervently waiting and preparing ourselves for the return of our good shepherd, we should also be heeding the words of Jesus when he tells us to stay dressed for action. Are you dressed for action? Keep your lamps burning. Are you keeping your lamps burning? Are you burning out bright for the, pos for the possessions and for the pursuits of this world? Don't do that. Don't waste yourself on that. Keep your lamps burning. Be prepared and be, as Christ Jesus tells us, like the man who is waiting for his master to come home, to come home from that wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Christ tells us, church, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And what does that mean for the church? Because far too often you hear these words applied to the soul who does not believe in Christ. And truly, it does apply to them. If you have no faith in Jesus Christ, put your faith in him now. For the hour is coming and draws near when the Son of Man shall return. But for us who are in the church who do have a faith in Christ, who should have a living faith with Christ Jesus, what does it mean for us to be ready? For Christ is talking to his disciples to be ready for his return. For there is an hour that he's coming that we do not expect. But the wisdom of this age, the deceptions and the lies of this world, would rather distract us from that reality that God is sending his Son. And that his Son, Jesus Christ, will rule all. And all authority has been placed and vested in him. That this old earth is in labor pains, even as we speak, as a new birth, a new creation approaches. But sin, evil, and death, which is nothing more than to distract you, church, from the reality that the incarnate, ever-living Word of God is returning to manifest His kingdom. Do not be distracted by the pursuit of happiness. Do not be distracted by physical health. Do not be distracted by monetary security or for your own personal safety. Instead, be rooted and grounded upon the living Word of God who calls you who's purchased you, who's redeemed you, and who saved you from death and from sin, so that you may be drawn near to him who saves and transforms. For he never leaves us as we were. He's always walking with us and pushing us to be whom he created us to be, to walk in those good works that he created you and I to walk in. So come close now in faith to your master. And heed the words of the prophet Isaiah when he tells us in chapter 1, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. The scriptures are not merely beautiful poetry or pithy sayings to read and to hope to be more moral or to be better than what you were yesterday. The scriptures are living, breathe out words from God that gives us life, that transforms us because of the truth that's within it. And if we live by this word and we die by this word, then we will be judged faithful to the one who is coming. And St. James is beckoning us, church, 
for those of us who proclaim ourselves to be followers of Jesus, to have a living faith, a living trust, a fruitful life in a world that tells us, keep your faith in your minds, keep it private to your heart, and don't show it out there. But our faith is not our own. It was a gift for us to open from God. And it cannot be kept to ourselves. For we have been given the fire of the Holy Spirit. And we've been told to shine as lamps set upon the lampstand. Not under it, but on top of it. Our faith is a gift of the living God. The living and breathing God Almighty who lives and dwells with us, who tabernacles no longer in tents made with hands or in temples made by hands, but tabernacles with us if we have faith and trust in that. And our God is not like us. He's not a tame God. He's not a human God for us to contain and for us to open up when we want to. He's the ever-living God Almighty. And His ways are not our ways. He is faithful and is always advancing his kingdom. And it is so by faith that we've been called, and we have been invited to become stewards, entrusted over the life-changing and the glorious news that transforms. We are people of the kingdom, and the Lord is all in the move, are you? Submit then to this holy calling that you've been entrusted Seek out the outcasts in your life. Find the poor in spirit. Find the poor also in money. And give to them what you have. Give to those who have nothing spiritually and pour out the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ. Find those who are rich in material possessions and give them something far more than they could ever buy. Open your heart and pour out into all those in your life that glorious news that Christ Jesus has shed his life for our own. The dead shall indeed be raised. That this life is not a meaningless mist, but is a moment by moment uniting of our hearts, of our minds, and of our spirits with the ever-loving triune God. Share this love of God in an active and in a vocal faith that thrusts aside the temporary worries and the pleasures of this world for the wise trust in the one who fills his children with joy, with peace, with hope, with charity, and with love. May God Almighty bless us and empower us in his Holy Spirit to surrender ourselves wholly over to him so that we might live a life of reckless abandon to his will without shame for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. 
Thank you. God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.